The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your host. We want to welcome our online listeners this morning. I know there's been several of you that have been tracking this series uh, rather intently and faithfully. This is the social area of life we're talking about. Last week we talked about discipline. This week we're talking about what comes out of discipline, and that is what? Fruit. If you were disciplined to take care of a fruit tree, I mean, you, you fed it fertilizer, you fed it, you know, water, you, you pruned it, you took care of it, and you were very disciplined at taking care of this tree, can I simply ask a simple question? Why do all that work on this fruit tree? So you can get the fruit. Now we got this fruit tree that's bearing forth fruit because you've been disciplined at taking care of this little fruit tree since it was a little kiddo, a little baby, a baby tree. And you've nurtured and cared for this tree, pruned and, and kept the weeds away from it. And all of a sudden it's this full, maturated, mature, spiritual fruit tree. All of a sudden, all this fruit's coming on it. What's the fruit for? Feed others. others. Have you ever seen a fruit tree eat its own fruit? That goes back to the Colossians passage we were just talking about. A self-religion of self-indulgence. Eating your own fruit. It is not only unnatural, it's against the commands of God. The fruit tree is to bear forth fruit so that others can come along, pick the fruit, put it in a box, and give it to someone. Who needs to eat your fruit? See, it's for others. So now we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts, which is the mechanism, the the process of giving that fruit unto someone else. Have you ever tried to use prophecy on your own life? Doesn't work. I've tried it. Like God, you know, I got this exhortation prophecy gifts. Let's just do it with me, you know? Well, it doesn't work. Have you ever tried to use the gift of teaching on yourself? You stand up from your desk and you kind of pace and you're kind of like, Oh Lord. I need some knowledge here to teach myself. All right, all right. What do I need to learn today, Stephen? Okay, Steve, here's what you need. Steve? It doesn't work. You see, it takes another teacher to teach me. It takes another prophet to prophesy over me. It doesn't work. For some reason, there is a Christian religion out there that says... I can only be taught by myself. So therefore, you talk to me, but I'm going to go back to my desk and I'm going to do a Bible study and I'm going to teach myself. Really? I wonder who you're going to listen to then. Teachers who are teachers know the simple fact of teaching. It's my job to teach you. It's your job to write it down. It's your job to study so I can test you, so I can see if you can pass the test, so I can give you a certificate. 
Mary, is that not the process? So what if a student stands up and says, I want to teach today, Mary. Sit down, Mary. How well would that go over in a classroom? So what, seriously, as a teacher, what's the purpose of teaching? Grow the fruit, have the fruit, pass it on, give it to someone else, and it goes from generation to generation. So therefore, what Paul said to Timothy so many years ago becomes a valuable apple to eat today. So now we got to look at actually the process. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13.8, one of my favorite verses. Because here's what it's saying to me. However far yesterday you go, whoever he is in the yesterday is true today. And whoever he is in the future, however far our future gets to go, when does it stop, by the way? When does the future stop? It doesn't. When did the past start? It doesn't. So what do we got going on here? Eternal life. So Jesus Christ's life is eternal life. Podcast listeners, listen very, very, very carefully. If you have your Bibles in front of you, look up Hebrews 13. Read the entire chapter. But verse 8, know this, that in the, in the middle of this beautiful passage God is putting in, whatever, whoever Jesus Christ was in the past, whoever, whatever he is into the future, is what you have for today. I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but the life of Christ in me. That is the great mystery Paul refers to in over 40 passages that God ordained him to write. The mystery of Christ in you. You are nothing more than a vessel for that to take place in. The Holy Spirit is just as much alive today as he was when the New Testament was written. There's no difference in the level of him being alive. You say, oh, that's not true. When Paul was given all this through inspiration to write down, there was a heavy duty presence. That was a special time in church history. No, it wasn't. It was a time in church history. A very important time. Today is a very important time in church history. No matter where that present mark moves, is always important and a part of the next moment, and a part of the past moment. You see, what I just told you is in history, is it not? Two minutes ago, where is what I said? It's in the past. What I'm about to tell you that's in my mind that I haven't said it, where is it? It's in the future. We are in a timeline, and there are times that we... We sense things that are just seconds or moments or split seconds above where we are today. It's called the gift of prophecy. 
We have labeled these things fleshly, indulgent things in our minds that do not exist. There's no such thing as fortune tellers. There are people who receive messages from demons. And then demons carry it out. And it appears that they were able to foretell the future. They weren't foretelling the future. They were just rattling off a bunch of garbage to you because they know that they're just split seconds ahead of you. Humans are behind. Do you understand that? Our minds are frail and they're weak and we're behind the spiritual world. We're not ahead of it. The only way to be ahead of it is to be in Christ Jesus. So all these sorcerers that we talked about 10 minutes ago, those are the fortune tellers. The whole system of demonic writings and pictures and movies and whatever is based on the deception that they can foretell the future. God has locked us into these three elements. Past, present, future. And it is only Christ who is all those at one moment. To be in Christ Jesus is to be in eternal life. To be in eternal life is life forever. And I can understand things 2,000 years from now because I'm in the life of Christ. To write out dates and whatever, not even Jesus gets those dates. Am I lying to you? What does the book of Revelation say about Jesus knowing the exact hour? He doesn't. You see, it takes an almighty God to decide who gets what in the timeline. And even Jesus doesn't get the exact hours and days and moments. And those humans who are always behind in the times think that they get dates given to them over Christ Jesus? Liar, liar, pants on fire. And that's the world we live in. Before we move forward with exploring the dynamics of the fruit of the social area, we need to know just a little bit about the spiritual gifts given to us through Christ, which is His fruit, which is His fruit. You got this tree. Someone tell me the science of how that juicy apple, where's that juice come from? The fruit, but where's the fruit get it? Where'd the tree get it? Down in the root system? It's pulling up what through the soil cue? Nutrients. Water? Water of life, living water. It's pulling up living water, which is the parallel of the holy what? Holy Spirit's being drawn up into that tree. It becomes sap. The sap is bitter or sweet? No, it's bitter. It is very... It was a trick question. Sorry about that. But it is very bitter. There, Even when you get maple syrup, you have to process the whole maple syrup thing in order to get it to pour on your pancakes. Same principle. That sap has come up, and the bitterness that Christ had to go through to become the sweetness of the life of Christ to be put in the bride... To get it sweet all the time, it had to go through a bitter phase. The gospel's in this, guys. So it goes through that bitter phase, that sap, and it goes out into the branches. 100% obedient to design. 
drops into the leaves and these little smelly, beautiful, smelly flowers come on the tree. And from the flowers come this tiny little green thing and you keep watching it grow and grow and you have a bitter green apple, remember? So do you want to pick that apple while it's still green? No, you got to wait. Then you let the S-O-N start to just bake it and bring about a borderline death to the apple. And you got to get it right at its perfect time for the picking, don't you? Or the death, the sun, the co-death and burial and resurrection won't even apply anymore. Everything has its perfect moment in this tree. And then you look at it and you go, oh, this, this is ripe. And you pick it, you remove it from its source, and you eat it. And that life literally gets inside your body. It's a beautiful story. Yeah, it is. So it is critical that we accept that all the work of God through the Holy Spirit is just as the disciples were called to accept the work of the Holy Spirit even 2,000 years ago. There's no difference. Now let's break it down again. A lot of people use this ignorance thing as an excuse. Well, I didn't know. Can someone please tell me what we've talked about in the past in regard to where the word know comes from? K-N-O-W. Knowledge. It is a sexual term. Always has been and always will be to God. He will not change it. It's the enemy who changed to know how. Tree of knowledge. Intellectual studying. Figuring out. Addressing issues. In a crisis like discipleship, we won't address issues until the phase four. Because we got to get them beyond their own know-how, their own knowledge. And to get them beyond that, we got to get what's right behind that. And as who do they have an intimate relationship with? Who's your daddy? What is the source of conflict among you? Is it not your own members waging war with itself? This is James chapter 4. And it talks about immediately, James follows it up with, you adulteresses. You see what I mean? So those two always go together is adultery and knowledge. Tree of knowledge. It makes sense to me. Now, let's take a look at it. Understanding, knowing what God says about spiritual gifts is the starting place of our journey. Even though man has many opinions about the topic, God has plenty to say about his gifts to us. After all, he obviously is the one who does the giving. Many Christians choose to stay in the dark as to the full understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I do this survey almost weekly. You guys know it. I've even done it on you. I ask people what their spiritual gifts are. Now, if the gifts come... Activation comes through the presbytery, then it is through the presbytery that's God going to reveal the yes or the no. So if someone says, well, I have the gift of prophecy, I go, really? Well, I get to check it out. If someone says, I have the gift of teaching, I go, really? I get to check it out. Verification comes through the presbytery. 
If your kid's sick, you're supposed to take him to the elders of the church and let the elders pray over him because there will be effectualness from that leader's prayer. Well, you say, well, I can do that on my own at my house. Really? Give me verification of this proclamation. We are avoiding the system of deliverance because we want to be delivered by our own system. And God is saying that must stop if you want this. So the way God set it up, the way God activates it, the way God processes it, the way God lives it out is critical to me. But these arrogant people walking around saying, I can do these things without the supervision of the presbytery, I give them no time. I'm sorry. It is not biblical to have your children running around doing their own thing under your leadership and you constantly wondering where they are. Do you know how easy it would be to kidnap your kid? To steal your child out from underneath you? Because you think like that? It would be so easy for the enemy to steal a future preacher by distracting you from focusing on things that they'll take care of themselves. Really. It doesn't work that way in your house and it doesn't work that way in the church And it doesn't work that way with the whole church of God, which is all the way around the world. But for some reason, we've invented this indulgent religion that it does. Well, that's not my interpretation. I don't care what your interpretation is of the scripture. And I've got a bunch of friends that are theologians. And we have heavy-duty talks like this even as of this week, dialogue with three of the top leaders in this country. We're getting into the meat of the gospel on grace and what it really means in in the life of Christ in you. But their opinions matter not to me. I don't care. I care about Christ's mind. And if someone says something and it's evident that Christ's mind is ministering through them to me, I receive it openly. Isn't that the best way? Of course it is. Many people do not think that they are mature enough to use their spiritual gifting. Have you ever watched a little kid after he got saved? And that spontaneous, just they got to share Jesus? And, And it's so innocent. It's so real. It's so truthful. It's so right. In fact, it's so right, it reminds me of something Jesus said to the disciples. He said, gentlemen, unless you become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Satan goes, well, that's curious. I wonder if I used a child to create false visions and self-inflated indulgence of these visions. I could deceive people. That's exactly what he did with this story we were talking about. Satan's always using God's statements to create an illusion because he can't manipulate the future. He has no control over it. Here's the passage that we read earlier. 
I want to point out a couple key words. For those of you who have joined us in the podcast, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Prescribe and teach. Isn't that the same thing? But it's there. Prescribe is what? Prescription, Prescription comes from that. Pre to write down. There is a message given to us in uh, Habakkuk. Something about writing something down. Does anyone remember what that is? There's a commission given from God through Habakkuk. You got it? Okay, now listen very carefully. Those of you who are listening online, the passage is Habakkuk chapter 2. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me, and how I may reply when I am approved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Okay, if you if you guys really are into scripture memory, this would definitely be a passage for this mini series for you to at least read a bunch of times, but maybe even memorize. I would not memorize it out of anything other than the King James, New King James, or New American Standard. I also want to put a warning in here. The new C.S. Lewis translation is completely emergent. And do not associate this man's traditional life with this new translation that's coming out this month. It's another angle and happens to be the American Standard Version that they are twisting up a bit. So you have to stay focused on translations that have been pretty safe. Those are the ones I would memorize scripture in. So here we go, pre-scribe, think about this ahead of time to write this down. Then after you write it down, teach it. What are we supposed to teach? Let no one look down on how old you are in your faith, or how old you are as a child. Because it doesn't matter to the Holy Spirit. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Script. So there's a formula being given to us in this passage. To exhortation and teaching. Exhortation is is the term we use for counseling or discipleship. They're two separate gifts. Do not neglect the spiritual gifts within you, which were bestowed upon you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. And if you look that up, you'll find that that is the church leadership. That is a absolute profound commission that is, is being given to us. But I love testing people, and so when I ask questions, I usually have the answer to those questions, but I want to hear what kind of garbage they give back to me, or what kind of truth they give back to me. And if they come back with, well, you know, I'm not quite sure what my spiritual gifting is, because I've never come before the Presbytery. (laughs) What am I going to say that? Truth, truth brings real life. 
Liar, liar, pants on fire. You see, when the person is not sure, and I get a lot of those responses, well, I'm just not sure, no one's ever shown me. That's a good answer. But if someone says to me, well, back in 1978, my pastor laid hands on me and prayed over me, and God somehow told him I have the gift of teaching. Do you see what that person is professing? There was a proper order of them receiving this activation of the gift. God wants us to prescribe and teach these things. Prescribing meaning, writing them down, then teaching them to the body of Christ. Second point here is how do we accomplish this? We accomplish this by being devoted to the script scribes, chers. The scriptures, what has been written down by inspiration directly from God. Since the word of God is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, by teaching what God's word says, we will exhort one another to function in their God-given gifts. God wants us to take pains in these things. He wants us to to take it so serious that that it is kind of wearing us down a bit, like a constant pain, and it's just kind of wearing you down. That's how he's referencing this. This is a serious, serious, serious matter for you to know your spiritual gifts. Because that's what it's all about. Am I an apple tree? Am I, am I, or a grape branch? Am I, I think I'd be kind of important to know. Are you the one that's going to be providing apples, oranges, grapes? Who are you? What are you for? Because if I don't understand that, I may try to function in a gift that I am not gifted at, and I'm going to end up failing. Lastly, God wants us to pay close attention to our, te- to our teachings regarding this topic, because this topic needs to be handled by God through us in Christ Jesus, through the mind of Christ. The facts are, before you can move forward in knowing your spiritual gifts, you need to be willing to be sacrificed. Romans 12.1 talks about, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to, the, to this work, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable perfect will of God. Fake gifting does not prove this. Do you realize that there are schools all over the world that train you in skills that have nothing to do with who you are in Christ? Business, teaching, whatever. If I shared with you, which I did a month or two ago, the number of people that actually make use of their degrees in the workforce makes you very quickly evaluate why did I spend $85,000 on that education when I'm not even using it. Wouldn't it be cool to have an institution put together that actually taught you in spiritual gifts the liabilities of it? 
the benefits of it and how it's empowered through the indwelling life of Christ? Can you imagine an institution that is focused on spiritual gifting? Do you know that spiritual gifting actually has traces of personality types? Do you know that the world of psychology, through the psychobabble of Freudianism, there was started a movement about personality types? It completely replaced the church's use of the terminology of spiritual gifting. So instead of being a prophet, you are a type A. Instead of being a a server, you are a, you see what I'm saying? If you think Satan is not clever, then you don't understand how stupid Satan really is. But he's got one thing going for him. We're behind the times. And we buy into this stuff. All we got to do is put it in a book and put a copyright on it. And we start buying it and selling it thinking it's the truth. When there are certain types of people that came up with this idea. I'm a phlegmatic. Those of us who have degrees in psychology can tell you exactly where the term in the Latin phlegmatic comes from. Those who have a lot of phlegm. That is the truth. That's where it came from. How stupid is that? And you know what? The enemy knew we're behind in times and we'd buy it. So now they're running around saying they're phlegmatics, but until certain educators like me start saying, do you realize where that word comes from? That they diagnosed you because you were the kind that had a lot of phlegm? Really? So they came up with a new label. Type A, type B, type double A, maybe you're a triple A. It's all about spiritual gifts, folks. Before God moves through us mightily, he needs to know that you and I are willing to be used in and through his gifting. Of course, that leaves us with a small problem. What does the mind of the world really mean? And what does the mind of Christ in you really mean? If spiritual gift is activated through the mind, wouldn't it be important for Satan to twist it up a bit? I think so. When we lay our lives down as a living sacrifice, we're basically saying, whatever gifts are in there, God, make use of them in Christ's name. And I'm sure, to my understanding, that Christ in you would say the same thing today that he said to Paul back then, and that is, get to your presbytery. You want to find out? Get to your presbytery. He's not going to go against the own, his own mandates of Scripture. He won't. Everyone gets a spiritual gift, at least one. Most have more than one, but the Lord has not given everyone a gift only f- uh, for those who have accepted the Lord into their lives. You are literally born with a gift. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it gets activated to serve God. But you take someone who doesn't get born again and they can use it literally to lead you to the Antichrist. The gift of leadership in an unbeliever, it is a gift in them. It could be used by the enemy. Who's your daddy? Used by the enemy to lead people to the Antichrist. But when you become born again, the Holy Spirit comes inside your mortal body. It activates the gift that was put upon you in your birth. 
to serve God and to advance His goals. The church growth is dependent on God causing this growth, of course. Once a person gains the understanding regarding their gifting, to have a ministry or a calling to have the gift to function within. That's like a building. If I have the gift of teaching, I need some students. I need a chalkboard. I need a couple tables, some chairs. You calculate the cost of your gifting to get the job done effectively. That's what we're talking about here. A prophet needs a hill. He needs a town. He needs a quick escape out of that town. Uh, he need, and he calculates. If you think I'm exaggerating this point, get into the scriptures and find out how many times they took Jesus through a exit. Those disciples calculated before they went into a town. They, they look carefully at what we need. We need a back out passageway. We need a hill where we can see where everyone's coming up. They were using the gifting that was put in them to sustain the mission that Christ was on with them. So different today. This isn't your mission. It's not even your calling, really. It's your calling because you're embracing his calling in you. Here's our identity statement, folks, and we're going to close this down. God does not activate a gift or gifts without placing the life of Christ within the born-again believer. Once this happens, he shouts out a calling within the indwelt Christian so that the believer will not use the gifting on him or herself, which is self-abasement. I hope you guys are connecting to this piece because God's not emergent. God is a God who has everything planned out in that eternal life, Hebrews 13, 8. Everything has its perfect moment, as it says in Ecclesiastes. Everything has its perfect moment. What I'm saying to you today is perfect for someone in this room. Most of us are going to walk away from this message, and you're going to forget it within 10 minutes. Not even going to care what you heard. You can't recall it next week. Because you weren't even listening. But there's a certain percentage who were connecting to the spiritual gifts inside me. Inside you. And you were receiving it and it is going to bring transformation, not education. And you will have a story next week. I get emails like that. I'm going to start getting emails on Tuesday. Of people's lives being touched and transformed. Because what was in me, what was in them, it bore witness and there was this change. Whereas in Americans, for some reason, and I know there's other countries, my buddy in France, we have these old discussions all the time about what's happening there as well, but there seems to be this dull sense of people not responding to a truth in America anymore. They're just kind of dull. Well, I've heard that sermon before. See how we think as Americans? Instead of, that's the truth. I don't care if it's canned, sealed, delivered in a package. It's truth. It bears witness with itself and changes lives. When truth touches truth, stay with me on this. Truth means 
comes from the Hebrew word betrothed. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Jesus is the method, the discipline. Jesus is the betrothed one, the groom. Jesus is a life. He'll literally breathe life into his bride. You talk about prophecy. That'll fulfill it. When a betrothed one touches his bride, when there's a touch, when Jesus reaches down and touches me, if I'm in front of my computer screen writing an article or whatever, and I'm pleading out with God, I am, I am in need of his knowledge, his know-how, his intimacy, him touching me so I could see clearly. He's going to take that request seriously. And there's times, and I've told you guys this before, as radical as it sounds, I feel his physical touch on my shoulder. I, I just feel it, and I'm like, I'm beyond myself. And I hear him a way that I did not 30 seconds before. Everyone gets that. Not the preachers. Everyone gets that. This is significant, guys. He not only gives the spiritual gifts, he gives this environment in which the spiritual gifts are to be manifested. And when the two of those come together, you got a real ministry of reconciliation. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.